Pushkin. You can find inspiring stories almost anywhere. For instance, check out the co-founders of Girls Who Do Interiors. This Miami-based design company was started by three friends when they were still in school. And right from the start, they turned to Chase for Business for everything from banking and payment acceptance to credit cards. And they handled them all in one place with the Chase mobile app. It's so important to have that kind of help when you're just starting out. Learn more at chaseforbusiness.com. Make more of what's yours. Chase mobile app is available for select mobile devices. Message and data rates may apply. J.P. Morgan Chase Bank, N.A. member FDIC. The most innovative companies are going further with T-Mobile for Business. The PGA of America is helping lower scores and elevate fan experiences with AI coaching tools and 5G connected cameras. AAA is getting more drivers back on the road fast with location telematics. And the Las Vegas Grand Prix is powering race day operations with 5G connectivity giving fans an experience at the speed they deserve. This is Accelerating Innovation with T-Mobile for Business. Take your business further at T-Mobile.com slash now. Whether it's her first Mother's Day or her 40th, she deserves more. Shop tons of stunning on-trend jewelry for every budget at Diamonds Direct. Diamond fashion jewelry, beautiful birthstones, everyday pearls, starting at just $200. Commemorate the real loves of her life with a gorgeous pendant featuring the birthstone of the one who made her mom. This Mother's Day, Diamonds Direct has everything you need to say thank you. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. Online at DiamondsDirect.com. This is Talk Easy. I'm Sam Fragoso. Welcome to the show. Hey everyone. Today, on this bonus episode of the show, I am pleased to have on some old friends of mine, Bill and Turner Ross. They are some of my favorite working documentarians. These folks have been crafting deeply human portraits of American life since 2009 in their first film titled 45365. In the intervening 11 years, they've directed several other documentaries, including Chapatulis, River, Western, Contemporary Color, and their most recent film, Bloody Nose, Empty Pockets. That film will be opening in virtual cinemas tomorrow, July 10th, with film at Lincoln Center, and then eventually expanding virtually to theaters nationwide through July. Before we get into it, here's a bit from the trailer. You're just in time for the knot party. We're not having fun in celebration of not closing. I'll get y'all in here. Is this a real thing? Is this really happening? And you and I have talked about that. 20s. I'm doing great. Thank you for asking how I'm doing, first person today. Anybody want a drink, a shot, tell a story? You're making me realize I haven't smelled that smell in a long time. What kind of a party is it if an Australian guy doesn't take his pants off? I've been saying that for years. The simple log line of this film is this. Patrons and staff celebrate their last night together at a soon-to-close 
Las Vegas dive bar. That is the bare-bones explanation of what's going on in this film. And at the risk of jeopardizing the artistic integrity of this movie, I'm going to leave it at that. There's been a lot of dialogue around whether Bloody Nose, Empty Pockets is a piece of fiction or nonfiction work. If you'd like to know my two cents, uh, I think those designations are meaningless. What unfolds in this picture is real and painful and deeply human. It sits at some intersection between a Frederick Wiseman documentary and a Robert Altman picture. It's basically what Cheers looks like in real life when Ted Danson is not the bartender. More than any film I can remember, it authentically captures the experience of going to a bar, of staying long past last call and talking with strangers and people you may never speak to again. It contains this kind of end-of-era spirit that many of their films have. That's true in Chapatulis and Contemporary Color, both of which are now available on Criterion if you're curious and checking out their work. They also have a description of their work that I really like. The Ross brothers are wonders of regional American filmmaking, made according to an unwavering philosophy, to be completely present in the moment and alive to the ecstatic humanity that passes before their camera. And that's just about perfect. So I hope you enjoy this bonus episode with my dear friends, Bill and Turner Ross. Brothers, Bill and Turner Ross. Holy cow. Putting a movie out in quarantine. Not normal, but I'm so glad it's happening. How are you two feeling? We are so fucking lucky. Yes, we are lucky as hell. Yeah, I, I don't know. Look, I, it's going to be... I mean, what do you want? Turmoil? You want uh, riots in the streets? You want a pandemic? You want uh, abdicated leadership? You want uh, closed movie theaters? Anything else? Did anybody ask for that? But it's a great opportunity to put out a film about uh, commiserating and drinking. Yeah. I, I think it'll weirdly resonate right now. So I actually don't know. We've had some conversations about the movie as you guys were making it and then coloring it. But for people who don't know anything about it, what is the start of this for you two? Because you guys have been making so much and I know you're ping ponging from project to project. What did spawn all of this? Well, a whole lot of things. I mean, I really, I think we've been collecting ideas for this since since childhood. I mean, our, our, our Uncle Dave would, you know, take us to, to you know, his his favorite <laughs> bars as kids. And we would we would sit at the end of the bar and specifically a bar called Scudsy's. Scudsy's. Yes. And so we would as kids, we would be sitting, you know, little dudes <laughs> at the end of the bar, just watching these large characters tell these amazing stories. And we were just so fascinated by this space. Did it seem normal to you two at the time? Oh, yeah. Yeah, we, <laughs> it was the best. It was like Macho Man was getting married like, yeah, on the we, television. We would like, you know, we'd go and watch wrestling. And we're stuff. being regaled by elders. It was, uh, yeah, every, like yeah. we would always be like picked on and stuff because we were kids in a bar. But it was great, you know. Like anyway, um, and then we were also thinking today we 
we watched the Tony Awards as little kids in like the mid 90s with our parents and there was a sequence they were really into musicals they, so they liked musicals the, so they, yeah Tony Awards so and there was this you know how they do like pieces of you know each show or whatever during the show and there was this um musical called Grand Hotel and we just loved it mm. as little little guys let's share a glass together, together in celebration of our meeting so it, it had starred this actor Michael Jeter and anyway, that character really stuck with us. I don't, there's a lot that goes into this. I, there's so much. I, yeah. I feel like really when we make a project, it's because there is a, a running uh, line of thought. And there's I, so many notes that the it it's just, it topples over and, and, and you have and, to make it. You can't go on without making it. In, so, in, in, a, in a literal sense, Oftentimes there are just stacks of notes and ideas that I, for me, that's the way my brain works is I like to, you know, I, I keep journals, I keep diaries, I keep records of all the things that we do. And eventually certain ideas stack up to be these, these towering, uh, these towering things that need to be confronted. And this was one of those towers where, um, it was, and it's actually the fusion of a couple of them. One was our fascination with uh, Vegas, this this bastion of American excess, and sort of all that it represents, uh, and and the reality then of the lived experience there, and then also our fascination with these spaces, these these bar spaces, these shared spaces of of uh, of, of communion for people. And so yeah, so at the end of twenty sixteen, well, where were you going? I mean, I'll keep going. I know. Yeah. That's the problem. Yeah. Um, so at the end of 2016... By the way, in case anyone was wondering, they are brothers. <laughs> and that's how brothers interact. Love you, Bill. I love you, too. Why did you look at me like that? So anyway, end, end of 2016, our, our buddy Ben is making a film called Wendy. We wanted to make a film about him making that. That, that production pushed by like three months, all of a sudden leaving our calendar completely empty. And so, yeah, we, these ideas have been kicking around forever. And so we just said, fuck it, let's, tr let's try. If we fail, uh, you know, it, we, we will have wasted. We were in the worst case scenario. We were completely bottoming out. None of our projects were going through. We were, tr we were in a year where we were trying to work with other people, learn some things, buy ourselves some time. Every project that year fell through. There were a bunch of really fucking great projects that we could have worked on. Well, we're, I don't remember what. Remember when we were going to film the World Series? Oh, yeah, that was cool. And the impossible happened? Yeah, anyway. So we had no money. We had no support. We've been trying to pitch variations of this idea for 10 years. Nobody was buying in. We couldn't figure out how to because, articulate it. Because, look, I get it. If you're if you're a financier and we come to you with this crazy idea, I get that you might be confused or that it might not work. I didn't think it was going to work. It shouldn't have worked. I did. <laughs> so anyway, worst case scenario, we decided this is the best case scenario for the final uh, execution of this film that has just been sitting with us, gnawing at us. And... And it really actually was was kind of the perfect moment because not only were we sort of in a bottoming out space, but America, you know, American filmers, filmmakers making a movie in America, we were just recognizing 
the polarization of people and the dividing of our nation. And we were so sick of the political talk. That's crazy to think that it was four years ago and it's only gotten worse. But this is the time to put people in a space together and just see what the underlying condition is. You know, like this is the ripe time. We are ready to share space and share time with each other. And, um, and so we said, yeah, if, if now is not the time, then when is? Nobody's going to support this. We need to make this. It's just been sitting with us forever. And so we just threw ourselves at it with as much force as we could. And I think two months from deciding that was going to happen, we were shooting. And, um, and we shot for, you know, I mean, we, the whole production was, was two months, but it's all based around this primary shoot that we did that was an 18-hour nonstop, unbroken scene. Uh, the day after old Trump got elected. Yeah. So the day after that election... Um, obviously people are feeling all kinds of feelings, but it meant that they were going to, you know, editorially, certainly it could have just been political talk, but underneath that, what are we actually saying to each other? Who are we? Where are we as, as people? And, uh, that was what was deeply fascinating to me and is far more universal. It wasn't about specificity. And that's why, you know, when this comes up in conversation with people who get really hung up on is this documentary is this fiction how did you do it why did you do it this way we've we been deceived you know all the, all these things it's like it's just not the point you know the point is we wanted to create a universal space that felt familiar to the viewer that was intrinsically that space that we all know somehow you've been in there whether you liked it or not and it wasn't about documenting a specific place with a specific story. It was about seeing us as people in a space that we all understand and trying to do that to the best of our abilities. If we are people who make things about spaces and communities, let's make this space and community that we deeply understand and try to make it relevant to other people. When you're creating that space, I'm curious just on a technical level as directors, what are you telling the people in that space? I don't want to call them actors, but we could call them actors. Let's just leave it at people as opposed to giving them a script, which I know you didn't do. What is the kind of log line that you're saying to them? So we, uh, the day of, there was, there was very little uh, said. Everything. Because preemptively we had done. Yeah, everything was said the days before. We met with everybody individually and just talked and asked what they wanted to bring to the table. About a week in advance, we took over the bar space uh, on off hours. And one by one, we had each uh, participant, let's say, come in and sit with us and we all had a drink. And we yeah. all sat there as human beings at a bar and talked to each other. So one, they knew us. And then also we knew them and we knew what to look for. And we got a greater sense of knowing with them. And where did you find this collection of participants? So, yeah, the folks were pulled from, you know, our own lives. Um, Pam and Lowell uh, were folks that we knew previously. Um, Genuine drinking compatriots. Yeah. Um, David, Kamari. Uh, but we did a lot of bar casting uh, and we would we would go and we would just talk to folks. And um, we did hundreds of interviews yeah. in bars over dozens of casting sessions, just sitting in a bar, 
And this has always been a tactic that we've used, whether it's a bar or a restaurant or a public space. If you want to get people to talk to you, just sit down and put your camera out. Yeah. Because, well, so what's that all about? There's a what curiosity about the camera. It's like, what, what's, what, what's this all about? You know? Right. It's a great conversation starter. Yeah. So it breaks the ice that way. And then we tell them what we're doing. And if, you know, folks were into it, we, we would continue to talk. And, um, you know, at the end of it, like, say, with Bruce, Bruce, we found at like one or two in the morning. And he just came up to us and asked what we were up to. And immediately we we're like, oh, shit, like you are the genuine article. We need we need you. We need you in this crazy film we're making. He's like, all right, I'm in. But because there <laughs> had to be complicity, people had to be willing to come to us. You know, we, we couldn't just go out and say, oh, here's this expose that we're making. It's just antithetical to what we're doing. People yeah. had to be willing to participate. And so, like we said, we, we met with all of them in advance. We Bill likes to describe it as like Ocean's Eleven building uh, this team. Yeah, it was kind of like, are you in? And um, people were like, yeah, I'm down. You know, privately, I've got, uh, you know, the Jungian archetypes of man on my wall. You know, <laughs> just thinking about all of these ideas about how to, you know, why does a show like Cheers work? What are the archetypes that fill not only society but a bar space specifically? What is the what are the dynamics that make this work? And so, yeah. there were about a dozen of those where we said these are quintessential archetypes that have to be within this space. But then also, because we're doing it in the way that we are, who are their compatriots? Who are, who's their best drinking buddy? What are these buddy systems? How are they going to relate to each other? How are they going to feel like? Um, they have a personal dynamism within this space, a safety net within this space, uh, so that they can forge. They're, they're already coming in with these tiny alliances, and they'll forge larger alliances and create their own narrative through, uh, through the act of doing. There really are these clear archetypes within a bar, and you can kind of immediately spot it if you end up going to the same bar more than four or five times. And, and you guys really did capture those archetypes and in many ways this is a really fucked up companion piece to cheers <laughs> yeah yeah well if norm dropped acid that show would be pretty interesting yeah it, it is actually an interesting show that though. show is fantastic it's incredible and um and certainly a reference point and these are reference points that we have used through all of time uh these are common spaces that have been uh resorted to in art and literature through all of our experience to try to understand sort of a baseline. It's where kings and, uh, and peasants can interact with each other. And um, yeah, and so yeah, we, 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 we thought that was the most dynamic space that we could uh, invest in at this moment in time because, you know, we looked at each other in this time of political divide and said, what can we do? And what we do is make films about people and place and specifically uh, Americans in this experience. Mm -hmm. The best thing that we can do is get back to work. The best thing that we can do is go and try to see what people are thinking and how they relate to each other. You know, we're not politicians, we're filmmakers. So like, let's get to work. And it's people irrespective of class or race. Across your body of work, you do have this kind of like anthropological interest in people, period. Does not matter where they are from. But that's America. That That is what's happening out there. And I, I, we got so pissed listening to political podcasts in the lead up to the election. 
because, oh, God, do we want to do this? Anyway, we were getting pissed because people weren't seeing each other. People weren't seeing each other. All you got to do is walk out your front door. Like, talk to people. Get the, you know. Uh, Anyway, yes. Sorry. I don't want to go down that road. (laughs) Well, luckily, we don't have to. Let's talk about something else. So last time we were on your show. So last we were on your show, we were with the great Steve James. So actually, you're responsible for this story. This story. He called me up a couple days later. Now we knew Steve, you know, here and there. Like when we're not friends, but um, he called me up a few days after that podcast and was like, "Hey, man, you're like, you're really into hoops, huh?" And I was like, "Yeah." And he's like, "And I love the way y'all shoot." I, I, I'm, I'm doing a thing with Spike Lee. A maybe about a film about the bubble, about the NBA bubble. Would you be in? You know, go take as long as you want to think about it. And I immediately was like, I'm in. He's like, don't you want to talk to you like your family? And I was like, no, nah, I'm in. <laughs> so, yeah, that project was, is still technically alive, but with all the craziness, it has, it has, been alive and died many times. Um, but I, the light is not totally left the room. So it's still a possibility, but so bizarre, man. Um, but yeah, I want to make a film about (laughs) like the Florida project. You better not. Oh, I, I shouldn't, I shouldn't reveal this story. The more interesting story. And honestly, I would like to subvert you on this. If you get in the bubble. That's what I'm talking about. I would like to make the film just outside the bubble. Yeah. Where all of the secret people are. Yes. That are covertly. Because you know, <laughs> you know there's going to be like, 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 like rat tail, like white dudes on BMXs, like pulling up with like bags of weed, you know, facilitating. It's incredible. I'm sure they're going to, they're going to have security that's like insane well, i think the reason it won't be made is because all of these millionaire young guys would like to live how they want to live but they don't want to be documented doing that yeah. within this bubble and it's like you are not i'm not going to sign up for an expose of this weird ass experience yeah has anyone been like what if we did it like the 97 98 footage with the bulls where it's not released immediately? Right. Well, I haven't been privy to those conversations, but the wh- why it's, everybody would have to sign off decades. Down right. I mean, why it's dead right now is because we couldn't get close to the players for health reasons. So there's really not much to document. You know, the only cameras they're going to have are to shoot the games, and that's it. So... Um, I'd shoot it just for the experience. I wouldn't even care if anybody was ever going to see it. It's oh, like, that would be yeah. so surreal. Yeah. Insane. Insane. Putting a pause on the conversation for a second. From time to time, people will ask me, uh, what's the best thing I can do to help this show you're doing? This thing you keep making after four years. Most podcasts will tell you about donating, Uh, about raising money. That is something we're thinking about down the line, maybe later this year. 
But for right now, the best thing you can do for us, bar none, is to share this show online with a friend, with family, with whomever you think may be interested in the kind of podcast we make each week. I know I've said this before, and I hate to be a broken record. I do. But um, as an independently operated program, uh, which we are, it really is the best way for new listeners to find this thing we do. If you don't want to share it online, uh, leaving us a review on iTunes helps. Subscribing through Apple, Google, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts helps. And if you would like to make a financial contribution, uh, you can do so at talkeasypod.com slash donate. Lastly, as some of you may know, I sent out the first newsletter of this podcast earlier this week. If that's something you'd like to be part of in the future, drop me a line at talkeasypod at gmail.com. And now, back to Bill and Turner Ross. The dreamers are not involved in this uh, yeah, I, in the I, planning scenario here. I would just be a shooter, so I have no say on any of this shit, but holy shit. Like, when he called and asked me that, I, like, lost it. But as the days went on, I was like, ethically, is this okay? <laughs> like, this seems kind of <laughs> fucked up. I mean, it would, it's, that's like a once in a lifetime thing. But it's yeah. like, it's the artist and the kid in you both shitting their pants at the same time. Yeah, yeah of course. I'm going to get locked in Disneyland with the NBA. And Spike Lee. <laughs> that's either a good thing or a bad thing. Being being locked with him. <laughs> okay, so I want to ask you both, having watched the film this morning, something you two are both interrogating is like this romanticism that comes along with being in a bar. And yet right next to that romance is this kind of sadness that comes on the other side. And the two are just so close. They sit next to each other at the bar. I wondered how much you brought yourselves to that there, there is no reason for us to make a film if it's not personally resident resonant and also if there's not that dichotomous interest these adjacent things like you're talking about this is something we both love and something we deeply don't understand there has to be some interrogation there there has to be some act of discovery involved in that we are drinking class people these are spaces that we have inhabited these are spaces that we have learned from. These are spaces that we have um, found ourselves in and wondered why. They are places where you celebrate, like you said, certainly you go there and you find friends and boy, wasn't it great to share a beer back in January, whatever it was we did, you know? <laughs> but there are also places where you go to, to seek solace, where you go to get rid of yourself and, um, you know, part of the big framing framing idea of the film was just that. Why in America's sort of epitome of, of splendor and, and excess do you then seek a separate oasis of excess? And mm -hmm. does that not speak to not only the experience that we all understand with a bar space, but so many spaces in our lives why do you seek these escape valves? Why do you seek a space where you can have a put on, you know, where it's like, I can be whoever I want in this, uh, whether that's for one drink or all night, 
one day or all year. And when I walk back into the light of day, I confront the world again. Yeah. And it's been interesting in this time, just, you know, when people don't have that escapism, whether it be church or uh, sports or, you know, the bar, we're forced to look at ourselves and <laughs> that has been interesting. But there's a deep, complicated uh, um, empathy. And and I and I'm I'm glad yeah I'm I'm glad that that's something you bring up. I mean it's this is not in any way uh, <laughs> the intention was never an expose. You know that this is just not what that's about. This is there is a deep understanding and empathy for these spaces and and also a conflict things that we don't understand. And um, I wanted we're we're we are also one of the people in that room. You know, we are also two of the people in that room. And, and we always wanted to make that available. Shooting with, not at. Yeah. That is our philosophy. And that's why we included ourselves in the film and never strayed away from that. It's like, we're gonna shoot in a film, we're gonna shoot a film in a bar with mirrors. And we are participants in this space. And we went to acknowledge that throughout. There are what, 22 different people who move through this space and us. And we are all there and complicit in this experiment. And, um, and we're trying to learn something and trying to go through something together. This is a catharsis. This is a celebration and a sadness. You know, you could have a party. It can be a party movie if that's the way you want to receive it. Or it can be um, something that is deeply uh, unsettling, you know. Uh, Sam, so, yeah, romance sitting next to melancholy, I think, can sum up Turner's personality. So I, I think it comes through very much. I'm a Gemini through and through. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> and and Bill, how would we describe your personality? <laughs> well, you know, I with this film, I, you know, I, there's a lot of. You know, He's a bleeding heart disguised as a party boy. I, you know. <laughs> wow, we are taking some shots today. Uh -huh. I, I sat and cut this thing for two years, so I had a lot of time with myself to question who I am, what am I, you know, all, all the things. But I discovered that all our films are deeply melancholy. They're all about endings somehow. The bar closing, uh, Contemporary Color, it's their last night that they're ever going to perform together. With Western, it's a, it's a the vanishing of a, way, a certain way of life, of community. In Chapatulis, they're, they're, they're losing their innocence. And in four or five, it, it's us uh, uh, allowing ourselves to walk away from our youth. But it's also about the profundity of an uncertain future, you know, mm -hmm. saying this is our experience. This is this moment now. It doesn't have a beginning that we're privy to, but it also has an ending that we're not privy to. Right. This is a moment in time and we're heading into uncertain futures and, and we were just present for this one time this is not the definition of this thing and that feels very much like our contemporary shared experience right now yeah which is just what what world are we going into you know while we can celebrate and commiserate and it can be beautiful and it can be dark we don't know where we're going after this and that that was a that was a big part of this you yeah. know it's just the melancholy and the of just not knowing where you're going. And and to your point, you two still arrive kind of at the end. 
of whatever it is. It's not the end of their lives. It doesn't mean that there's not a future, but you too do focus on that. Have you figured out the why? I, we want to make 10 films together, so we're halfway done. It's your idea, but I'm in. Well, I, I'm in 10 sounds, it sounds right. It's a nice, strong number. It's five more, though. I know, it's going to be so hard. Um, but great. Uh, <laughs> I'm just worried about number six at the moment. Eh? So that's the thing. It's like, we're never going to know why. And that's the journey, and that's the adventure, and that's the fun and the heartbreak and the terror because it has it's to, what keeps you up at night. It has to be personal. Otherwise, what? If it's not an act of discovery, if we're not going through something and learning something, it's like all of us are doing that. As a, as a society, as a world culture right now are saying, oh, shit, these are things I didn't know. These are things I need to know moving forward. <laughs> and I feel like everything that we do is like that. Yeah. What is something that is meaningful to us, but about which we have a great deal of naivete? How can we explore that? How can we make this an act of discovery? And part of it, that's a, that's, that's a good, that's an astute observation on your end, Sam, is I think that's the thing we're really struggling with right now is this conversation internally of what are these common ends? What, what are these things that we keep exploring? And is there a different way to frame that question? And that is so puzzling and confounding and how do we arrive at something different? How do we execute something differently yeah. um, to find an answer to that question so that you know, not only are we answering that for ourselves, but hopefully then doing something that is bigger than ourselves? All that is to say that's a very blurry answer. <laughs> and I don't... Um, you don't have an answer. I don't have an answer. I just, <laughs> I, I find this, I, you know, I, I feel like, and we talked about it earlier, I just, all I wish for is time and space always. And... Right now we have time and space, but I feel like my 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 creative brain is fuzzy. Yeah, I just I'm such I'm at such a point of deep misunderstanding, and um, I know that all of the answers are in there, and I know that really I'll, all of them. Yeah, it's why I keep journals because I'll I'll my future self will always look back and say, God damn it, you knew this, thing, <laughs> but you didn't understand it. You, but you're, ta you're talking specifically about this next project. You're not going to cure climate change. No, no, no. And we can't, yeah, and you can't retroactively cure social ills or the ills of yourself. I mean, I can't retrofit my previous experience. It's why we went back to our hometown for our first film and didn't script it. Well, here's what my experience was, and here's what I knew, and here's what I know now. It was, no, what, what is the experience? Yeah. What can we seek and find here, and what can we learn from it? It's not retrofitting, it's finding it out in, in the present tense. And I, yeah. I feel like that's, that's where we're going. There's something in there about that that, I don't know. I look forward to telling myself in the future what I knew now and didn't understand. Yeah. Bill, you seem unconvinced by that. <laughs> well, I just don't have an answer for you, Sam. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm, it's okay. I, I'm not crestfallen by it. Well, it's the same thing that I keep getting pissed about. I sent him a 60-page dissertation on what the next thing needed to be, and then I got crickets for two months because we just My I can't friend. figure it out, and he can't figure it out. Yeah. And Bill, is that true? Two months? Two months with crickets? No, it's not true. We talk every fucking day. <laughs> um, you just wouldn't no, talk but, to me about that because I don't understand it. That's right. But Sam, how, how has your creative how has your creative mind been throughout all this? I, I it has felt fuzzy. It's I, I, like there'll be 
there'll be some days where I have some clarity, but I, it's, it's screwy right now. My answer to that question will change every 24 to 48 hours. So I will arrive at something that feels good and I will say out loud to myself, all right, we found it. We're good. We can move forward. We found some light at the end of the tunnel. And then the next day it's like, oh no, well, it's all back to square one. Creatively, I've tried writing. It is fuzzy. It also speaks to a larger question, which is what I was actually going to ask you both, which is, have you two been thinking, what is the value of all this? Yes. It's like, am I today going to be selfish once again and only concentrate on what I'm putting out into the world? Why am I not in the streets raising my voice for everyone? That is what is necessary. However, if you, with your podcast, with our films, if you can get somebody to say, shit, I never looked at it like that. When, you know, when, when Western came out, you know, we had some Fox News watching folks come up to us and be like, I didn't realize that the people down there didn't want the, the wall. That's important. Yeah. And you can do both. You can do both. But yes, it is every day, every day. I'm, I'm like, am I, is this just a selfish endeavor? But then I want to be responsive to the times that we are a part of, but I also don't want to be inauthentic. Right. We can speak from, uh, from a place of our understanding or a place of our not understanding. Like we say, seek to find, you know? I want to, I want to be a part of these times that we're in. I want to be useful in the sense that, you know, like, like, like we said earlier, the film that we're, that we're putting out right now is a response to the times that we were a part of. Yeah. It was saying, wow, okay, well, I'm, I'm not in office. I can vote. I can talk to my peers, but I'm a filmmaker. I can go make a film right now. Mm. Hopefully something therein is an act of discovery that, you know, that we can share, we can learn something as people, as individuals, and hopefully in the sharing, you know, like you're saying, why make stuff? Well, why, why make stuff? Why share it? Why not just make it for ourselves? Is it just a selfish act? It ceases to be a selfish act if something, if, if some understanding is achieved, if some empathy is achieved there, yeah. that is the shareable thing. If we can create experiences for people that they then can live in, embody, and extrapolate into their own experience, that I feel is useful. I mean, there's certainly tons of content out there. I don't think the world needs more content, but I think, yeah, uh, all of us, all of us who are creators of things, what is the purpose of this? What is the intention? And if it's empty for you, well, it sure as hell is gonna be empty on the back end. Yeah. And it's gotta, it's gotta have some meaning to me. And that's been the hard thing during this time in thinking about, future work of just saying, yeah, I mean, I could run out there right now and, and just create the document. And certainly my hope during this time is that there are people, especially young people, and especially people whose voices have not been heard in this time, who are out there making that fucking magic. I remember when the protest started, Turner texted me, he's like, I hope there is some young black dude out there making the medium cool of our time. I can't wait for that fucking movie, but that's not our movie to make. Yeah. 
we don't need more entitled people who don't understand what's going on to say, I'm the author of this experience. What we need are people from within these experiences saying, art, yeah. I'm speaking from the inside of this thing. That shit is awesome. Yeah. You know, that's shit worth sharing. You're right. It does need to come from within. And, and as much as, as much as, you know, we'd like to believe that we could authentically capture it, that I could interview people and, and make and humanize them. It still is a, a me and them thing. And I, that's not it right now. But, but Bill, maybe you didn't respond to Turner because you didn't feel like you had a good response. I just I feel like we're in therapy. No, it's nice. I, that's why I feel about all his podcasts. <laughs> I, I'm a big fan of this show because yeah. you get people to... Couples counseling was my life partner. <laughs> well, yeah, this dynamic's a little different. Um, <laughs> I just... Look, I mean, he's right. It's like, I, I can see, I have all the answers. They're all in there. I know they are. This is the process with every film. It's like, but it's blurry. I need glasses right now. Like, I don't, I, I feel the feelings. I see the colors. I know the, emo, I know it emotionally, but it's blurry. And I just, like, I know the themes I want to touch on. But I just, are you trying to get us to figure it out on the podcast? Is this going to be your win for the day? <laughs> yeah, you're right. All that shit has been elucidated. Like we do, we do, you know, categorically within all of that material, the <laughs> themes, the ideas, the images are all there. The success of what we have done is also the crippling effect of what we do, which is that we've created a binary system in which I have a reliance on Bill's curatorial sense. It's like I can, I can free think, I can copiously free think through ideas, but then there's, there's a check, you know, there's a, uh, there's a guard at the gate then for those things, which has been our relationship to say, here are all these things I'm going to throw at this. What do you see here? And that has broken down of late just because just because we are in such a dynamic place in the world right now, collectively. And, and I do think about what, what you said, you know, I, I do think about what, what's important here. And am I just making things out of compulsion or am I making something because it's a meaningful act for me and potentially as a, an empathic act uh, for others, you know? I don't know about you two, but even thinking about where to go creatively next reminds me that this pandemic really isn't the great equalizer. I know I've heard that in the news, but the very nature of this kind of conversation that we're having is a privileged one, right? I mean, the three of us are fortunate enough to even have this kind of back and forth I keep reevaluating over and over again what really matters to me. I feel like uh, I need to be good to the people around me. I need to be more considerate of the world I exist in, aware of what I do, how I've gotten there and what I can do with it, and educate my daughter so that she grows up in a world without all this bullshit. And hopefully she arrives in a place where she doesn't have to look back and say, man, 
I just could have done better. I could have done better. I didn't understand. I didn't know. And it's like, no, let's have an open conversation. Let's be part yeah. of the world. You know, if, if I want to be an artist who uh, is out in the world creating things to share with audiences, faceless audiences that I don't know, maybe first I should talk to my daughter. Maybe. First. Well, you do, man. You're do. a good dad. It's well, like, and I appreciate that, but it, I know that we're doing a lot of self-evaluation, but like you all have always self-evaluated, you know, it's not a new journey for you. I'm just saying you're being a little hard on yourself. That's time for that, Bill. But you know, uh, I know, but uh, yeah, this is not the great fucking equalizer. I, the, this great tweet uh, at the beginning, of all this said, uh, it's a black light in a shitty motel room <laughs> yeah. because woo, this place has been fucked up since the beginning. Yeah. Let's get this straight. They have not washed that blanket in a long time. The blanket was dirty at the beginning. <laughs> As we think about some kind of future where there is a bar in large swaths of this country, that's not realistic. When they do reopen, do you think people will be more compassionate in that bar? For some, uh, but for others, they'll stick with what works. I'm not, I'm not terribly hopeful about this. Um, I, I think people want to get back to normalcy and normalcy for the majority of the country is not a good look. So I, I look, I hope so, man. <laughs> I, I look, I hope so. I hope so. I hope. No, it's just the way you said it. Normalcy, not a good look, <laughs> but you know, like we just had some fucking bullshit go go down uh fuck a couple blocks over the other day where some dude took an axe to a black lives matter fucking thing and cursed out this black woman dropping the bomb. that guy isn't gonna find any sort of cure he's fixed in his position. he's fixed and actually I, the equalizer comment bothers me so much because in our modern world when people are in lockdown, they resort to their comfort, yeah. especially in social media. You're not gonna broaden your horizons. You're going to find Solidify. your channel and feel better about your experience, which I think just means furthering the divide. And so I'm glad in the public spaces, change is happening, but in private spaces, I, I really think people are sticking to their guns, you know? You know? My mom has gotten radicalized through yeah. this. Your father has not. Father has not. We have a lot of work to do with him, but he, uh, you know, he likes the casinos. Oh, hey, that's a long, that's, that's some therapy shit we got. <laughs> <laughs> Dad's a good guy. He's just an idiot. Hey, here's hoping, man. Here's hoping. You know, a lot of people listening hopefully will have seen the film. If they haven't, they're listening to, to find out whether they should. My last question to both of you in this moment what does this movie mean to you both? A lot of us is in that movie. But, you know, just as it is with the other films. But we, we want the world to look like these films. We want togetherness and we want respect among all, all are welcome in that bar. And I want all to be welcome in this life. So it's an idealized version of that. But you don't have to like each other. No. We have so many different You can have an idiot world. friend. Yeah. But like, 
but I want to talk and, and share space. You know, I, I, <laughs> there's my bleeding heart. <laughs> yeah, there it is. There it is. Yeah. Um, I, it, but it's, that, that's such a myriad thing. One, it's the final executions of something on a personal level that we just had to do. And we did it. And we made something that we're very proud of and we love very much. I love that we went on a collective journey with people and the people within it respond to it, that there are people in the world who are responding to it and finding their own place in it. I love that we can talk to high-minded intellectual people who want to talk about the art of what we do. I also love that we were so fortunate to release this film in 2020 before it happened and after it happened. Before it did, we had people coming up to us in the theaters who didn't want to talk about art and genre and all of the trappings that you know film festivals espouse. We had people coming up and saying, that's like my space. That's like my experience, feeling welcome in our film. And so we made a human connection. And then after, you know, fortunately, we're finding creative ways to get this film out to people at a time when we're not able to do those things. And hopefully that is um, resonant in a different way that we could not possibly have predicted. You know, people are not able to be with their, their folks. People are not able to seek these shared spaces. People are going through a lot of shit and hopefully they can find themselves in this movie now as well. And that is wildly humbling, you know, to make something that is, you know, like I said, it is deeply satisfying to us, was something that we needed to do, was something that we embarked on an adventure together, something that we explored and learned from, and were satisfied by the culmination of. But then putting it out in the world, humans respond, and we can have conversations with them, and they can have conversations with each other, and it takes on a life that is beyond us. That is magical. And that's why we'll keep, keep working. Apparently five more, five more. Oh God. Just worried about number six at the moment though. Yeah. Let's, let's, why don't you guys figure out number six and we'll, we'll get to the another four. Bill and Turner Ross. Thank you both very much. Thank you, buddy. Thank you, man. That's our show. Bloody Nose, Empty Pockets is opening in virtual cinema starting July 10th with film at Lincoln Center. It will then expand virtually to theaters nationwide through July. For more info and to watch the film, visit altavod.com. That's www.altavod.com. You can also learn more about the Ross Brothers, their films, and where to watch them on our website at www.talkeasypod.com. If you'd like to listen to other conversations with fellow documentarians, I'd urge you to check out episodes with Errol Morris, Werner Herzog, Steve James, and many, many more. You can find all of those on our site, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Stitcher, 
wherever you do your listening. You can also follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at TalkEasyPod. And of course, this bonus episode of the show would not be possible without our team. Our executive producer is Janixa Bravo. Our associate producer is Nikki Spina. Our editors are Andre Lin, Kat Owen, and Eli Weiss. Our music is by Dylan Peck. Our social media is by Kiran Aftab. Our intern is Patrice Lee. Illustrations by Krishna Shenoy. Graphics by Ian Jones. And the show is produced by Caroline Reebok. I'm Sam Fragoso. Thank you for listening to Talk Easy. I'll see you back here on Sunday with Run the Jewels. Until then, have a safe rest of your week. So long. The tradition of breaking tradition continues with the return of the unconventional awards from T-Mobile for Business at Mobile World Congress. This is an event that celebrates innovators whose bold actions took their industries to new places. If that sounds like you and you're a T-Mobile for Business customer, enter today. If you win, you'll be publicly honored amongst some of the most influential leaders in industry. And me, I'll be there too. Enter now at tmobile.com slash unconventional awards. See you there. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bop Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Pluma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club.